Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Sell order assessment fee not included. A limited number of ETFs are subject to a transaction-based service fee of $100. See full list at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Scott Wapner with Jim Cramer. Carl and David have the morning off today. Let's take a look at Friday futures this morning. S&P and Dow will open higher. The Dow by more than 130 points. NASDAQ, well, rates are up, so the NASDAQ pre-market looks like it's going to be lower. Our roadmap today, starting with the reopening trade. Economic recovery plays, rising pre-market, and a renewed focus on retail traders. As shares of GameStop continue to roar back, is a broader market shakeout underway? Plus, canal chaos, how the Suez Canal blockage is delaying an estimated $400 million an hour in goods. And Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg joins us first on CNBC, calling for greater investment in infrastructure. We'll see him a little bit later. Looking very much forward to that. Jim, uh, let's kick it off, right? You've got the futures mostly higher, NASDAQ's lower. It's about yields yet again because the 10 years rising this morning. Absolutely. I mean, look, this is now uh, cut and dry. Uh, oil go up. Uh Rates go up. And and let's not forget the change in the bank rules will make it so that the banks are more of a focus than even the industrials. I I find uh, the bifurcated markets incredible. You cannot get younger people interested in the the banks or industrials. It's almost as like there's some sort of uh, their radio and and there's TV or there's it it is they, they repel people. They repel the younger people. They do not want Deer. Deer will go up seven points. They don't want it. Nucor on infrastructure. We, we've got uh, t- uh, we have Kayla interviewing the secretary of transportation. They are not interested in these stocks. They'd rather be an NFT. Well, they'd rather be in GameStop, right, which has well, had its own had its own wild ride. It's going to well, be up again. But uh, can there just be I mean, Cos, GameStop, AMC, I mean, is it really like they got three stocks? There's another 6,000? No, no. You know what? They, ha- they have others. What do you have, Palantir? The, the, the problem is a lot of those stocks, Jim, have come way back down to earth. If you look at the You're not allowed funds, to say that. The, the Kathy, I, I know oh I'm going to get the God. hate mail. You are caught. I'm going to check you on Twitter because they've decided to t- they, they're targeting you. You check because I'm not even going to bother looking. But seriously, I mean, the, the ARC funds have been crushed lately. The momentum stocks have all been hit lately. A lot of the favored small cap stocks have been hit lately, and I'm wondering whether we are in the midst of some sort of retail shakeout. I think we are. There's a really good piece by Evercore about Snowflake, which is a great company. I speak to a lot of younger investors. A lot of them like Snowflake, but I think they think it's meteorological, far less than what Frank Slootman's going. Wow, Snowflake, that's a good thing to have in the summer. You know, uh, there is an element that I have not seen uh, in my life, Scott, which is there are stocks that are doing really well, the rails. And, and there's just people not interested in the rails, but the money managers have taken back control of the market, Scott. And they don't like to pay 100 times sales. They prefer to pay 10 times earnings. They would rather buy Nucor at eight times earnings. And I don't know how to get Nucor to become a motion picture theater or how if Nucor were to start selling gaming. I mean, I don't know how to do it. 
If Nucor were to take your collection of Sports Illustrated covers and get the tokens, <laughs> then Nucor would be at 100. So I, I am struggling. The shakeout is def- definitely a, a part. They won't admit that there's a shakeout. There's a whole group of people who are in denial of the shakeout. There's another group of people who are saying, you know what, I'd rather trade NFT, you know, the, non, the tokens. Yep, yep. The non, you know, non-fungible. But they can, they're Googling what the word fungible means. And then they're trying to figure out what non-fungible is. We have to get back to some sort of recognition that there are basics and that there are stocks that do very well in this environment. And then there's stocks that do poorly. Uh, and that's what we used to do before the revolution of the Wall Street bet revolution. You, you mentioned Snowflake. Let, let's just throw it out there. I mean, it was is initiated, outperformed today. I mean, this was a $400 stock. I know. Jim, if you take a look at where it is now, it gets a $311 price target. That's on the long-term risk reward. Um, if you want to take a look at, at, at Snowflake, you know, the, the chart tells a pretty good story, Jim. It's a 200 and something dollar stock. It was a $400 stock. Well, look, Frank Slootman is an amazing executive. You all know what he did with ServiceNow. He's a tough guy. Has he been on uh, uh, Has he been on Fast? He, he, was he, on, on he, he was on the day uh, that actually they went public. You put him on? I did. Was he nice to you? Nice guy. I don't think he, I think he's just he's a demanding fellow. And this piece fueling the democratization of data, you read it and uh, midway through it, I think a lot of the younger investors will say, why am I reading this? Unique technology architecture. OK, fine. You know, fine. Unique te- architecture. I mean, they don't have the time, the inclination to do the homework of asking what a unique architecture is. And I, look, I think they're great, but they don't like it's like certain things just don't keep their the attention span. Uh, is shorter than even Congress. What, what are you supposed to do that now, though, with I'm, I'm looking at this year to date, it's down about 22 percent. I know. Snowflake's true. representative of, of a lot of other stocks. Yes, that's as, the as point. Well. That's why we're talking. Right? 50, 60, you know, in some cases, you know, 500 times earnings. So have well, those stocks. Snowflake come, is now what? 80 times sales. Right. Have they come in enough to, to go know, and buy they, them or no? Door, you know, you, these are all two for one splits. DoorDash. Right. With the great reopening trade, DoorDash stock goes. This was a very big uh, Robinhood name. Robinhood stock right now would be a very tough sell, I think. You know, I'm looking at stocks, Jim. And this, this is just this month, right? The Zillows of the world and the Teladocs, the Spotify's, the Twilio's. They're all sort of in the same kind of conversation as the snowflake, just simply because, you know, they're either relatively recent IPOs that flew or they're 50, 60 time valuation or they're 100 or some cases more time sales. Yep. They've all come down a lot. They're way, way off their 52 week highs. Average 80 percent for the stocks that I follow in that group, the ones that people loved. And when you speak to younger people, they have had it. This is they've decided that just as they thought that only stocks that stocks only go up, now they think that stocks only go down, and because they're in stocks that are not in keeping with the great reopening trade, and these people always, a lot of these people don't want to. I'm generalizing, so just to get a lot of hate mail, I hate tweets, but a lot of these people don't want to understand the term rotation, the volleyball term. Uh, what they want is to stick with these stocks and hope that Kathy Wood has enough firepower to get them moving again. Well, because the other ones just aren't interesting to, no, to them. The, the ones that you said, the new cores and these and these other ones, they're you know, pick, pick the name out of the hat of, from the industrial 
uh, complex. Let's talk about Nike as well for a moment, Jim, yes. and the continued outrage from China. Our Eunice Yoon is live from Beijing with the very latest there. Hi, Eunice. Hey guys, well, Nike is just one of more than a dozen international brands that are currently under attack on social media here in China. Uh, the H&M has it the worst. Uh, it has been almost entirely erased from the internet. And the way that it actually is on the internet is through pictures. And I don't know whether or not you guys have this one. Um, it's a meme that says H&M that's supposed to be um, suggesting um, Hunmei, which in Chinese means it's beautiful. And then it has a list of all these different stocks of international companies that are seeing losses in their stock prices because of their stance on Xinjiang. So people are outraged on social media, saying that a lot of these companies need to take a greater stance. They're not only angry about past statements that uh, some of these companies have made about their concerns about forced labor in the Xinjiang region among uh, Muslim minorities, uh, but even if they don't come out in favor of Xinjiang cotton. In fact, the term Xinjiang cotton and support it is, uh, uh, has 5 billion views right now on Chinese social media. And so when I say that H&M has the worst and is erased, uh, by that I mean not only can you not buy anything for H&M's official store, it's been shut down, you can't find any searches on shopping sites, but you can't even find H&M on map apps anymore for searches, uh, for um, any way in which you might want to locate a physical store. In terms of physical stores, though, what's interesting is that their stores are open. They don't have a whole lot of customers, uh, but they are still open. And with Nike, uh, Nike stores are open. There's one actually not too far from the bureau. Um, people are going in and out. Uh, but at the same time, uh, a lot of people are careful about where they're shopping these days because of the furor over the stance of the international brands. Well, Eunice, this is great reporting. And I wanted to know whether you felt that the ties between Nike and the uh, People's Republic, the Chinese government, where they have the sports ministry is always like Nike because it keeps people in shape. Is that in danger? Because Nike has been maybe the brand that has the most universal appeal. The sales were incredible. They were more than 40 percent. So, I mean, I, I have to believe that Nike is somehow Absolutely. protected. So, uh, protected in any way? I think it's more protected compared to some of the other brands. And you could see that in that Nike, I was checking today, Nike products still sold online, uh, still, um, you know, like I said, the stores are open. Nike is very popular here. They dominate the market. I mean, not dominate the market, but they're one of the biggest players in the sportswear industry here. And as you say, they have very close ties uh, with the national teams. People love the logo. They love the brand. And so in that way, they are a little bit more sheltered. Though I have to say that as of yesterday, there were a lot of calls that, uh, that the, that the government here, as well as the national teams, should cut their ties with Nike. So far, it hasn't happened. All right, Eunice, we'll follow it. Thank you so much. That's Eunice Yoon for us live on the ground in Beijing. Jim, you know, Nike's in the news in and of itself today from a stock standpoint. Baird, they were on the sidelines, Jim, for 806 days. They're off of it now. They've upgraded the stock. And they say all of these issues, including the recent supply chain issues, are going to be temporary. And I, that this stock I, is yeah. a buy. I absolutely love now my travel trust owns this for a long time, but I love this report because, see, most of the analysts, Scott, and this is a good thing to talk about. Most of the analysts had loved Nike going in, so they didn't really have any firepower to upgrade. This bear piece is basically saying, OK, this is the time. This is likely temporary, likely transitory. We've got a lot of things that are 
temporary and transitory, uh, whether it's the Suez Canal, temporary and transitory, the ports, temporary and transitory. At what point are people just saying, look, if everything's temporary and transitory, then I don't want to own these stocks. But I thought the bear piece was good. I thought what Eunice said about the idea that the Chinese government has always been close to Nike. Uh, did, did Nike poke the bear? No. Uh, and there was an old uh, Sarah was talking about a kind of a an old stance they had taken. But H&M, if, if everybody gets H&M, if they're coming after American companies, it's pretty devastating. They basically they airbrush you out of the entire world. You feel like I mean, what do you do with this, these stocks? I mean, these are China is obviously such an important market for all these companies. I think if you just lay low, uh, I think that China's fine. I think that what they they didn't want is to see a wave of human rights. Uh, there is an amazing thing going on. Think about President Trump. What was he concerned about? Well, he was concerned about dumping of goods here, uh, jobs. Now it's about freedom, uh, minority rights, and climate control. A- and it's proving to be as intractable, Scott, as were uh, issues involving tariffs. Hey, Jim, I want to show up. I mean, since we're talking about China, and, and before we were coming on the air, you mentioned how some of the China stocks and China oh, was down. Yeah. I, I want to throw up shares of Baidu uh, if we could, because it's literally moving as we speak. You know, John Spallanzani, he's a, he's a guest on the network every now and then. He sends an email that says there's a block of 10 million shares said to be offered via Goldman. Take a look at shares of, of, of Baidu in the, in the extended hours. Um, that stock's down nearly 6%. You've been talking about and focusing on these China stocks, specifically this morning, right before we came on the air today. Jeez, these are just being roasted. Uh, Tencent, uh, uh, Vipshop, uh, these are just uh, without, when I check around Wall Street, uh, people just saying they're for sale. I mean, well, thanks. That doesn't really get, get us anywhere. But these are very popular stocks with, uh, again, and we're talking about that younger cohort. They, they love Tencent. And yet Tencent is just on very big volume right now. It's being crushed. Yeah. Baidu, uh, you see there. Baba looks like it's going to open down a couple of bucks. We'll certainly keep our eye uh, there as well. All right, Jim, still to come. Treasury uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. He joins us in the next half hour. Look forward to that. A lot more Squawk on the Street is still ahead. Don't go away. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. WeWork announcing it has agreed to go public via SPAC merger with Boex Acquisition Corp. That values the company at $9 billion, including debt. CEO Sandeep Mathrani was on Squawk earlier today discussing that deal. We were approached uh, by, by BOEX and other SPACs. Uh, we looked at our, our plan. Uh, we've seen what we'd accomplished in 2020, uh, and we've seen a path to profitability. 
And we thought it was a good time to raise additional liquidity, to de-risk the balance sheet, uh, and to make sure uh, that we had a path to profitability. So sometimes, you know, the path, uh, the path picks you, you don't pick the path. Oh, boy, this is ripe for us, Jim. I mean, $9 billion, including the debt, versus a valuation of $47 billion back in 19. Boex, we should also let you know, is run by Vivek Renadive. He's the owner of the Sacramento Kings. Um, this is more interesting than the Kings, I guess, lately. No kidding. Uh, what, I'll tell you what's really compelling about this. And it's Barry Sternlich's quote. I happen to be a big fan. Barry yeah. it, it, it got a bit of a Midas touch. He's in the pipe. Yeah, and he is saying uh, we work as the leader in flexible space. Well, what do we need more than, than anything else? Who knows who's coming back and who's not? Is there a way we can get some flexible space? Well, WeWork has it. So something, it's kind of like, it, it, just as it wasn't the company we needed uh, a year ago, it is the company we need now. I thought, I, I have to tell you, uh, I have been very critical of the recently a lot of SPACs. I'm not critical about this one. But plus, there's a lot of heavyweights involved. Yeah, Fidelity. Uh, there's Sternlicht, as you said, who, by the way, you know, he made headlines on Squawk earlier in the week when he was talking about the, the SPAC market being, quote, out of control. The bucket shops in, in, in some places. I know you guys, you know, you and, and, and David obviously talked a lot about that. Uh, this is I mean, you do need people to return to the office. I'm, I'm also thinking about, sure, it, on the surface, it sounds perfect, right? The timing's perfect. Right. Temp space. But what about existing leases that are already in place from some corporations in big cities? You need people to come back to the big cities for all of this to work still, right? Well, and the uh, look, they're the occupancy is, is meager. It's below 50%. I, I agree with you, but uh, look, we're facing a world where every, if everybody gets vaccinated, uh, you're going to go back to work because the overlords, the companies are going to make you come back to work. I mean, Dave, I keep thinking about David Solomon at Goldman. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, if everybody's vaccinated, they're going to need every inch they have in that building. Uh, and I think that there's need for flexible space for a lot of companies that are kind of on the fence. Uh, I, I went to a beautiful you know, I, Adam Newman. Remember him? Yeah. What did he make? He made a lot of money. He made a lot of money. I, I, I visited. Uh, I took a tour with Adam Newman uh, midday of one of his facilities. Uh, it was uh, hallucinatory, so to speak. Uh, but what was amazing was that it is it, it, it was one of the most poorly run, greatest places on earth. I mean, they spent a fortune. I mean, they spent a fortune in tequila. <laughs> I mean, they had top-line tequila, and I say that as, a, as someone who's tended bar at a Mexican you restaurant. Know, you know a thing or two about top-line yeah, tequila. Yeah, there was Clas Azul. I mean, it was really Clas yeah. Azul. Do you, you know, I'm starting to think that the, the return to cities is going to happen um, a little more powerfully and, and quickly than people think. I agree with you. I, I completely, with the exception of San Francisco, where people are, are, are a little fearful, and New York City, where uh, people just uh, there's a lot of public transportation that people still don't want to take, I think. But, yes, I mean, and they, they were talking about a lot of cities that are that are just blossoming. And I'm seeing so much activity in Austin, yeah. Houston, Dallas, uh, Colorado. I mean, I don't know. Florida, obviously. We, we still got to talk. We can't do it now. We're going to take a quick break. But we still got to talk about your guy, OBJ. He's now involved in a, in a SPAC. Odell Beckham Jr., uh, I'll give you Odell the de- Beckham? I will give you the Junior? details coming up. I'll no, just leave no. it hanging out there. I will give you the details I didn't coming know up. He can't even. Is Deshaun? Is Deshaun got <laughs> Not something? Yet. Not yet. It's How any day now. I would any prefer a Julio spack than a Beckham spack, right? When you pick Julio first in fantasy, then because this I'd is go fantasy. Hul- I'd go Julio first. This is fantasy, okay? I'd go Julio first. All right. Okay. Jim's Mad Dash is coming up. The opening bell. The next. Stay with us. 
At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Hey, it's time now for Kramer's Mad Dash. Well, you want to talk a little L Brands. Well, first, I will tell morning. you that there are a lot of game stops in the same malls as L Brands. I just want to keep the younger demographic alive Thank here. Thank you. L Brands. This is shocking. <laughs> They were they had guided up once already to fifty five to uh, to sixty five cents. Now they're guiding up eighty five to a dollar. What is going on here? I mean, this I know that Matthew Boss has had this one, but look at this. I mean, and and what's the secret here? It's Bath and Body Works and Victoria's Secret. It's a monster chart. It is a monster chart. A lot of there's no shorts anymore because of what happened with GameStop. I didn't even realize it was up that much over over the last well, year. Well, look, the interesting thing for me is that a lot of people felt that uh, that Bath and Body Works was a, a pandemic play. But now it, it, this is the mall. This is doing great. Simon Property, I've been saying, is a great stock. But we really have to think about the implications of a dead brand that came back to life. And that's this one. Well, maybe dead malls that are coming back to life because post-pandemic, you want to get out and you want to go shopping there's and you go to the mall. A, there's an unusual burst of spending at the mall. And a lot of the mall stocks are going to have to be rethought. I'm working on Macy's. M- Macy's, I, I just feel at a certain point, they've gotten out of a lot of the bad malls. Been a good one lately. Yes. It's been good. We have to follow it. And then you've not mentioned GameStop, so I'm, I guess you don't care about the younger demographic. No, I do. I'll mention GameStop when we go back okay, there. I mentioned OBJ. They, they like I'm OBJ. using a $250 target by noon. For your show. show. Uh, Thank you very much. All right, the opening bell is just minutes away. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. A couple minutes till the opening bell. Jim, the banks are going to be up uh, today. You mentioned them earlier, the uh, the Fed lifting those restrictions on dividends and buybacks for some institutions as of June. What do you think of the banks here, given where rates now Maybe going again. I had said you got to hold them because just because they they've had a really big move. But this was unexpected. Uh, what this basically says to me is is that uh, this is you know that J.P. Morgan's going to be able to be okay. You know that Bank of America is going to be okay. The question is is City, uh, Goldman I think should be okay. And then the big question mark is Wells. Has Wells done enough to please the regulators? And this is Charlie Scharf, and he's done so much good. But Wells is, uh, Wells is at a tipping point. This has been the rocket ship, and I have to believe that Wells is better than, better than it was, but maybe not good enough to please the regulators, at least not now. I mean, there is a belief that maybe all of these are at the tipping point or, or approaching it. Remember, it wasn't that many days ago that Canaccord's Tony Dwyer had downgraded the sector True. because he felt like it ran a lot and that rates were maybe topping out. And sure enough, rates had started to tick down for three days in a row. Now, granted, they're up today, but also, you know, Bank of America flow show, largest financials outflows since September of 2020. Wow. What does that, what does that tell you about where sentiment is after a great run? Well, I mean, I, I kind of I thought that Tony's piece was great. But then you look and you're still str- you're struggling to find stocks that are still at 14, 15 times earnings after the burst that we've had in the industrials. And there you go. You, you, you've got uh, Bank of America, very inexpensive, J.P. Morgan. But they've had meager yields. And look at Goldman Sachs. It's still at 10 times earnings. OK, 10 times earnings. 
And uh, that's still very inexpensive because you and I both know they're going to have superior numbers to that with the number of SPACs they have, with the number of underwritings. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has been the biggest first quarter for underwritings uh, it's since 2000. So how can Goldman not make a, you know, crush the estimates? Yeah, Goldman is going to open uh, about 20 bucks or so, 25 bucks or so away from its 52-week high. Jim, the uh, bells are ringing uh, at the big board celebrating its IPO Chinese question and answer website, Jihu. Oh. And on the NASDAQ also celebrating its IPO, Red Up. We will speak to the CEO of the online resale uh, company in Squad right Alley. We are looking forward to that. What we didn't talk about yet, Jim, is, and I know you've been focused on it, you know, every day is oil. Um, yes. I, you know, the Suez is, is still a situation. The ship is still stuck and oil was ticking up. What should we do with it? Well, I know that the rate, the overnight rates for uh, oil uh, for tankers up gigantically. I mean, this thing is you know, this. We look at it and we're, we're kind of like a beached up whale thought, but there's actual we know that there are uh, consequences. The thing that is uh, that is so strange about this market is uh, the opening trade says you got to go buy the airlines. Uh, the oil trade says that you should sell the airlines, but it doesn't matter. The opening trade takes precedence over everything. And uh I think I think oil still has a very hard time in the mid 60s because I don't want I think the Saudis just open the spigot just enough to drive it back down. Uh, But this is one market where we're really kind of struggling betting on both sides of uh, a trade. You shouldn't. One of them's wrong is what I'm saying. Yes, I know. And Phil's been doing amazing work. The airlines are back. Uh, they're adding capacity. At what, um, at what point does Boeing get better orders? The 787 is ready to, to uh, the Dreamliner. Remember when they took it off, it was front page. Mm-hmm. Now it's uh, coming back and nobody really cares. You know, Boeing hasn't had a great week, Jim. No. Bo- Boeing's down, I don't know, it was down like more than 8% as of yesterday. Now I don't know where the stock is right now. We can throw it up talk about it. But some of those recovery stocks, uh, after having a really nice run, were down um, you know, Boeing, a lot of the airlines, as, as you say, this week alone, double digits, some of the cruise lines, the casinos, the resorts, et cetera. And Boeing's getting a, a lift by one percent. You know, well, focus on the cruise lines for a second. I mean, the cruise lines have been a, uh, a, a neophyte. They'll hate that term. A younger investor's fascination. But when you speak with the people who run the cruise lines, they're basically telling uh, telling a tale of the CDC being, hey, listen, we're still in the uh, the diamond princess era. So you can do whatever you want. We're not letting you sail. So the, the younger people like to buy these stocks. People like to buy them beginning at 4 a.m., as I saw this morning, 3.30, 4 a.m. But the actual guys who run the companies are saying, hey, we can't do anything. So the excitement that the, some of these people have, the younger people, to buy the cruise lines, is not equal to the way that the CEOs feel, which is that the CDC is basically saying, we don't care about you at all. There is no imperative that people sail. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, some of these cruise lines, you know, everybody's going to have to be vaccinated to get on one of the cruise ships. So I'm, I'm looking at a couple other things I want to talk to you about, Jim. Uh, and we, we are uh, waiting, by the way, for the transportation secretary, uh, Pete Buttigieg. And we're going to go to that uh, when when we're ready for that. But Zoom uh, today opens a, a touch lower. The stock was initiated <laughs> hold today. Uh, that know, is a beleaguering stock that are owned by a lot of people. Yeah. Another yeah. one of these the ones- cohort that you wanted to talk about at the wall up there doing the mad dash. They probably own Zoom. They do. They do. They own Zoom. Another favorite of them, a Unity software. That's a Kathy. I mean, look at this one. Unity software. Oh, it's up big today. Uh, the, when they're up, there's no volume. 
When they're down, there's gigantic volume. Yeah, speaking of, you know, Viacom, Discovery, I know you and David talk a lot about those, yeah, those stocks, but Vi- those both got downgraded today at Wells Fargo. Viacom to a sell right. gets a $59 price target. Discovery gets equal weight. But, but those stocks, Jim, have had the rocket ship. Yeah, that rocket ship is over. The, the hand YOLO, the hands, the diamond hands, whatever you may go on with the Viacom is just unbelievable. Uh, the, the downgrade is very interesting because the downgrade basically says the stock has lost its mojo. It's a new way to downgrade. It's a new way to downgrade. You say, hey, listen, it's not acting well. Well, okay. That's like saying that the Chinese stocks aren't acting well. Uh, we don't really know other than the fact that there were no shorts in the name because the shorts, that whole concept of short selling, if you pick a stock and it has a big short position, they gun for you. They gun for you. You see what else has been working? You see the restaurant stocks this week, Jim? Oh, well, you know what? Look, it's the end uh, it, it's uh, Kate Rogers had a piece about it. And my theory about it, what people don't realize, 150,000 restaurants went under. OK, it's probably even more now. All right. And, and the PPP is very hard to get. Uh, I worked for my uh, Lisa worked two hours to try to get some people because we're reopening our restaurants. But we're the only ones I know. Look, you, Olive Garden is one. It's one. The Italian food at mm-hmm. Olive Garden is king. Darden has ripped this well, week. The stock is basically at a high. It's to a couple bucks off. Well, because they're the last man standing. You, your local Italian bistro is closed. It, it's closed. And people didn't go. Look at that chart. And you go to a bar, and you're not allowed to go to the bar? Have you been to a bar? No. You're not allowed to stand at a bar. No. At a bar. So what, is it a bar? How do you have a bar where you can't stand at the bar? Well, hopefully soon you're going to be able to go, go to the bar. I'm not seeing that. Blooming, Red Robin. Dine, Cracker Barrel, Texas Roadhouse. I just wrote down, a, a, you know, a, a handful. But these stocks have crushed it. Now, they've been fabulous. If if we were and I know you guys were talking about this the other day, the idea of, of these stimmy checks, right, the stimulus. Yeah. They're is it going to go into the market like people thought or is it going to go into the restaurants because they're, people are getting out and they're going to spend that money there? I think they're going out. I think that they're actually shopping and they're going out to dinner. No one's done anything in a long time. Uh, but they're not going out to dinner at their neighborhood place because their neighborhood place didn't make it. And that's why Texas Roadhouse, by the way, Kent Taylor, an amazing guy, uh, had a bout of tinnitus after COVID and killed himself. And I just want to point out that he, he's a great, a great entrepreneur. Uh, but I just see people going out and spending and they're not spending on stocks. They've had it. Remember, they want they'd rather be in the covers of Sports Illustrated. Right. You're right. a the rich NFTs. man. The NFTs. If you offered one of your people, may those not are know analog. It. They're not digital. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's the problem. It doesn't matter. You call them digital. Yeah, exactly. They're digital That's because the they're in your closet. Yeah, that's right? true. I need to. I need to transform them. I am and telling all you, you can NFTs. offer. I I tried to buy the cover of uh, the digital cover of Time Magazine uh, for Is God Dead? I bid with, I bid with uh, this 1966 cover. I bought it, of course, with Ethereum because who would ever use dollars? Right. Uh, I bid at 12 Ethereum, which was equivalent at the time about 20,000. I was winning the auction, winning auction, winning auction. In the last hour, some guy comes in, he bids 100,000, 100,000 dollars for the cover. What do you get? Well, I don't know. You have to hope that Mark Cuban does a, a gallery of which you have the rights to, but there's nothing really in it. Yeah. But it was $100,000. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't... Doesn't do it for you? I mean, it does do it for me. It just doesn't make you sit back and say, you know, this is, this is kind of crazy. Well, of doesn't course. Doesn't matter? 
But it doesn't matter. I, no, mentioned, I, mean, no, like, I, I, I mentioned Odell, right? That's another sign that some people are going to say, you know, where's the SPAC thing going? He's, uh, he's an advisor. If you criticize SPACs, there's another whole group that comes after you. Yeah. Right? I think there's some good SPACs and bad SPACs, but there's a group that just says there are no such thing as bad SPACs. You know, Jim, let's let's make mention of uh, there's Odell right there. Let's make mention of what we just showed on the screen. uh, And that is green across the board. Remember, Nasdaq futures were negative. Um, We've opened positive. The 10 year was at 167 around the pre-market time. It's ticked down even if it's a basis point or two. Um, The Nasdaq has now gone positive. I, I mentioned that because, you know, you had the hearings yesterday with the CEOs on the Hill, Zuckerberg, right. Pichai, and, and Jack Dorsey. And earlier, you know, leading up to that, you had said that Facebook and Alphabet, because I was listening to you guys talk about it, were, were both cheap. Yes. And then I remember the other day you said that Apple had come down a lot, but not enough. Well, we're so now put beginning... the fangs into perspective for me, what sure. I'm supposed to do now. Well, first, I think, I know this is going to shock people, but I, I thought that, that Zuckerberg did a great job yesterday. I did. I, I, I thought he was intelligent, honest, very good. Uh, uh, and I don't think he really uh, he acquitted himself well. There is, uh, I think, one of the things that I'm seeing is when you said that interest rates, they ticked, they ticked back down just a little bit. That ignited the NASDAQ. But OK, so face, Facebook, I like uh, Amazon. I think it's going to have a great quarter. It's going to be terrific. Uh, Alphabet, I think, is going to have a great quarter because of advertising. Netflix is going to have a great quarter because of, inter- of international sales. And the one that is the most questioned is Apple. Apple puts out a story they may have a, a rugged watch. We need, I'm not kidding, uh, service revenue is the way for Apple to go. But Apple, I, I was hoping that you could get Apple at 110. That's where I thought it was interesting. Yeah, well, it's 120. Well, I mean, right. well, who knows? they don't have the same multiple. As you, may, you, may still, you may still have the chance. I wanted to have a Procter & Gamble multiple uh, because I, th- I think it could happen. I wanted to ask you, just in terms of, of people being excited about uh, IPOs, uh, people being excited about new stocks. Remember, the most IPOs ever? No, actually, for 21 years. Don't forget, uh, SoFi talking about how they're— oh, right. You're, Noto. Right, Anthony Noto. Talking about how uh, the retail investing, they're going to be able to allow their members to purchase shares of companies before they're publicly traded on the stock market. Mm. We have uh, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Uh, IPOs. These guys are really trying to muscle in. Yeah, Robin Hood filing for its own uh, IPO, and they want to give their customers pieces. That's what you're referring to. There's Anthony Noto, by the way. He's coming up in just a little bit on Squawk Alley. He is. Uh, but what do you, well, he is. What do you think about, um, what, do you think about what Robin Hood wants to do? Uh, for its I think users. they have give to them, give access to the the action. OK, I think that this is why they're trying to get good board members. They're trying to get good governance. But the thing that they're trying to not be is just an app. I mean, lately, the articles are saying Robin Hood, the app, and that has no attraction to people. You have to be more than the app. Uh, so this makes them Robin Hood, the broker. And that's what they need. A little bit of everything. For Where Robin is Hood. Vlad lately? Notice Vlad. The last time Vlad Tenev really made a splash was in that incredible Portnoy interview on Twitter. Mm, I watched nine, that, yep. Where he showed, and Portnoy uh, was, it, it didn't, didn't wish him good luck, uh, kind of was shocked, though he was there. And then Vlad went radio silent. Well, because they, you know, they filed confidentially for the IPO. That probably had something to do with it. Well, he was ready to sound right before that, too. Let me, um, we'll get back to this in a second, Jim. Let me go to Kayla Tausche now. She is alongside U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. Kayla? 
Hey, thank you so much, Scott. We are so thrilled to be joined here first on CNBC by the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, following a marathon hearing on Capitol Hill yesterday. Secretary, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I want to start to uh, talk about expectations for this infrastructure package. President Biden will be laying out the what of the package next week, but how many jobs will it create and at what net cost to the American people? Well, I think there's certainly no net cost. There will be a net gain. When you think about infrastructure, it's a classic example of the kind of investment that has a return on that investment. That's one of many reasons why we think this is so important. This is a jobs vision as much as it is an infrastructure vision, a climate vision, and more. Obviously, the numbers are still being reviewed. The president's deciding what will go into uh, what's going to be rolled out next week. But what I'll say is that expectations have been high. They've been high before. We're probably the third administration in a row uh, to arrive with the American people expecting big things on infrastructure, I think this time we can actually get it done. So you said yesterday it will be at least partially paid for. Senate Democrats are expecting around $3.5 trillion. What part of that will be paid for? Well, that's obviously part of what we need to work with Congress to establish. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of appetite to make sure that there are sustainable funding streams. And again, at the same time, we know there's a great return on investment on infrastructure, so some level of deficit financing could make sense. We've got to make sure that what we come up with is responsible, that it is reliable, and that it's going to work for America, not just for this moment, but for a generation. We are expecting business taxes and high-income individual taxes to go up as part of this package, but there's some other revenue raisers under discussion that are squarely in your wheelhouse. And I want to go sort of rapid-fire through them because you've commented on some of them before. First, a gas tax. You've called it old-fashioned to raise the gas tax. Do you still believe that? Could that go up? Well, the gas tax has traditionally been part of how we fund the Highway Trust Fund, but we know that it can't be the answer forever because we're going to be using less and less gas. We're trying to electrify the vehicle fleet. Uh, so if there's a way to do it that doesn't increase the burden on uh, the middle class, we can look at it. But if we do, we've got to recognize that's still not going to be the long-term answer. What about a mileage-based tax? So I think that shows a lot of promise. If, if we believe in that so-called user-pays principle, the idea that part of how we pay for roads is you pay based on how much you drive, uh, the gas tax used to be the obvious way to do it. It's not anymore. So a so-called vehicle miles traveled tax or mileage tax, whatever you want to call it, could be a way to do it. Build America bonds? Definitely a lot of promise in terms of the, the way that we leverage that kind of financing. Uh, and, you know, there have been ideas around things like a national infrastructure bank, too. Uh, I don't mean to, to uh, uh, try to disrupt the spirit of the rapid fire, but you're hearing a lot of maybe here because all of these things need to be balanced and could be part of the mix. And then a tax on carbon emissions. The Tax Foundation has suggested that at the rate that the Biden administration has set for the per ton cost of carbon, uh, that it could raise about $2 trillion. Will you move in that direction? So carbon pricing is one of the ways that a lot of economists and the business community believe we can have a market-driven approach that also deals with greenhouse gases. But it's too soon to assign a, a use for those dollars, even if it does happen, because you could do it in many different ways. There's even a version of it that would be revenue neutral. The point of carbon pricing is that there's less carbon. Uh, I wouldn't think of it just as a revenue mechanism. Would you see that happening in the next year? Uh, again, that requires Congress, that requires the, uh, the president and, and Congress to be in alignment. And these are exactly the conversations we're having right now with Democrats and Republicans on the Hill and within the administration. You said that you talk to Republicans almost every day. Yeah. Uh, just this week, they've called this package a boondoggle and a ploy, the way that it's been reported the administration is structuring it. Meanwhile, progressives have suggested it's not big enough. It needs to be $10 trillion. So how do you thread that needle? 
Well, given that the package hasn't even been rolled out yet, it, it feels a bit like politics. At the end of the day, uh, there's going to have to be a, a, a single answer that everybody will want to tug in one direction or another. But what we know is we've got to think big. We've got to have uh, an investment that's going to support the next generation. It's got to be transformative. And I think that Republicans and Democrats alike see the need for that. Um, one Republican in particular, uh, John Thune from South Dakota, said if the ploy is to lure Republicans to vote for the easy stuff and then do all the controversial stuff through reconciliation, I don't think our guys take the bait. How do you respond to that? To me, this isn't bait. This is desperately needed American infrastructure improvements. And uh, uh, I'm a little puzzled by that comment because, to me, uh, we want to make sure that uh, there is the strongest case made for any senator to vote for any provision of what we're doing. Now, as we saw with the rescue package, uh, sometimes we can convince Americans, Republicans and Democrats alike, and that still doesn't mean we can convince everybody on Capitol Hill. But if there's one area where we can do it, I believe infrastructure is that area. On reopening the economy, the travel industry has asked by May 1st that the administration give it a plan to restore international travel. Can you deliver on that? We take our lead from the Centers for Disease Control, and the CDC is looking at conditions on the ground. We've got a race going on right now. It's a race between the vaccines and the variants. The more we win that race, the sooner we can have a safe return for travel. And look, I'm the Secretary of Transportation. I'm probably the most impatient person uh, to get that safe return to travel underway. But it's got to be safe. And uh, we're not going to get ahead of what the science is telling us, what the doctors are telling us, what medicine is telling us about what is the right thing to do to keep the American travel traveling public and workers safe. The president has enacted some policies to try to make the government's own uh, operations more green, uh, notably trying to make the fleet of vehicles, uh, electric vehicles, 650,000 of them. Where does that effort stand? Yeah, this is a really important thing, first of all, because the federal government ought to lead by example. The policy of this administration is to go green, so our vehicles ought to reflect that. Secondly, just think about the purchasing power uh, of the federal government, just, just with the, the cars that, that we buy. So uh, I know that that entails a lot of different bodies, right? You've got the, the Postal Service, which is a, uh, a quasi-governmental entity. You've got the Department of Defense, even here in the DOT. Of course, we don't own most of the transportation assets in the country, but we've got a lot of uh, cars and other vehicles that we use. We've got to make sure we're leading the way too. Uh, so the president has channel challenged us with an executive order uh, to be moving in the direction of more climate-friendly operations. Uh, we're running with that. and We're going to uh, make sure that we're uh, setting very aggressive targets and hitting them. Finally, when you think about just the size of government, agencies, programs, conservative economists have drawn parallels to LBJ's Great Society and suggested that Massive government spending paired with, you know, wartime programs would lead to out-of-control inflation. You're a student of history. Why do you believe that is or is not the case? I believe it's not the case because uh, it's been shown not to be the case in our time. For the last 40 years, the U.S. has pursued a policy of intentional disinvestment. And as a consequence, we've fallen behind the rest of the developed world. We need to decide whether we are content to permanently remain behind the rest of the developed world or whether we're ready to take the lead again. Uh, the very era that those economists are referring to are a time when U.S. leadership was unquestioned. Sadly, that's not the case today. Uh, you look at the investments China alone is making in, for example, their infrastructure. It is a multiple of what we hear at home. 
home are doing. And that's going to have consequences for our competitiveness in the long term. Secretary, hopefully we can continue this conversation as we get more details about the package. We appreciate you joining us on an extremely windy morning here in Washington. Secretary Pete Buttigieg, our thanks to you. Thanks. Scott, I'll send it back to you. Yeah, wind, uh, Kayla, that I think is heading up, uh, up the coast this way as well. Kayla Tausche, thanks so much. Coming up in the next hour, do not miss the governor of Mississippi, Tate Reeves, on that state's reopening strategy. First, though, it's time for the bond report. Let's take a look at how treasuries are faring this morning. The 10-year is off the highest levels of today's session. As we said, uh, it was above, uh, one, well, 167 is where it was. The week's higher, about 170. So it's pulled back by a few basis points. Over in Europe today, take a look at how markets are faring there. Uh, Germany, uh, the, the uh, Bund is, uh, the yield is up, as is in, uh, in France, the 10-year, and Italy as well. Take a look at the dollar index. The uh, dollar has been strong lately, and it remains that way. Uh, one month, just up 2%, but it's been a move of late, 92.79 for the dollar index. We're back right after this. Biggest laggards on the S&P for the week. There is your board led by Viacom and Discovery. We were just talking about those downgrades earlier today, and those are big declines on the week. We'll be right back. Stay with us. All right, Jimmy, stop trading. Yo, first I want to point out that someone foolishly sold a lot of 10-cent music. It bounced right back to selling change. So that guy's, a lo- uh, that guy's dumb as a bag of hammers. I want to talk for a second about <laughs> RH. Uh, that's the old restoration hardware. Yeah, it's uh, up big. Yesterday, Gary Friedman was on. And frankly, he's talking about $25 billion revenues one day. He's talking about the guest house. They've developed houses in Aspen. And uh, it's just, they're not even blueprints for them yet, but they're developing. And already rich people are trying to buy them without even looking at them. Yeah. So RH really does have the pulse of the zeitgeist of the rich. What's uh, what's on Mad tonight? Okay, um, GameStop, uh, uh, AMC, and um, Koss. No, uh, Eric Topol, because we Doctor Topol, we got to find out from Doctor Topol what it what it means. If you have a vaccination, it doesn't seem to mean anything. And then we have a uh, uh, boy, Stuart Brady. KBR is now the space play. It's a, ca- it's a Kathy Wood play. I kid you not. And then Borg Warner going very EV, and the stock's down badly this week, even though I thought they told a very good story. Yeah. So. All right. We will be there. Non-fungible, my friend. Yeah, that's right. Non-fungible. We'll talk. Yep. All right, buddy. We'll see you tonight. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.